I am joined today on the Between the Levees podcast by Mr. Jeff Kindle, a recently retired vice president of Gulf Operations for ACBL based just outside New Orleans. Mr. Kindle, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for uh, having me, Tim. I do appreciate your time this morning. Uh, how's retirement going so far? Very well. Busier than I thought I would be. Yeah? With family or with work? Both. All right. Well, let's get to my standard questions here. Where? Uh, tell me where you were born, sir. Uh, outside of Chicago in Elmhurst, Illinois. And where did your parents do growing up? Uh, let's see. My dad was in advertising and my mother was a homemaker. What was life like growing up? Did you have any siblings? Yeah, I had two younger sisters, uh, six years and 10 years younger than me. And uh, it was, you know, grew up in the 50s and went to high school in the 60s, very calm. You know, send your kids outside. Don't worry about them. They'll come back. Uh, you know, none of the pressures that you've got today. Did your father fight in the war? Yes. He was in the Navy in World War II. What was his MOS? Uh, he was like the, they had bombers that had gunners underneath on the bottom of the plane. And he was one of those. That sounds absolutely terrifying. I have seen that in person and some movies with the hazards of, of that job. Right. Uh, was he in the military after the war or did he get out? He was in the Cub minor league baseball system. And in fact, his name is in the 1945 World Series program when the clubs played the Detroit Tigers and he was listed as uh, Cub affiliated players uh, in the military. So then yep. he started playing back to playing baseball when he was uh, when he came out of the service and then slid into the second base and he was a pitcher and got up the next inning to pitch and his collapse his, his knee just collapsed. And that was the end of the career. Today, you'd sew it back up and you'd be back on the mound in eight to 12 months. Were you born by then when you got injured? Uh, yes. And did you follow him into sports at all? No, he was left-handed. Um, my, my youngest sister got the left-handed gene, and she is the elite athlete of the three of us. Uh, we were, my other sister and I were above average, but that was about it. Were you drawn to anything in school? Math and science primarily. Um, but I got a general business, a degree in general business from University of Missouri in 1970. And graduated from high school in 65 up in the Chicago area. What happened in between? Uh, oh, no. So it was five years in college? Yeah, I dropped out for a year and worked and uh, found out how good I had it in college. So I went back. What Was that the introduction to the marine industry or how did you find towboating? Um, a friend of mine in Columbia, Missouri, rode a bus with a guy who was uh, going up to Joliet, Illinois to ship out of the National Maritime Union Hall in Joliet on the boats. And he did that. And, uh, you know, by word of mouth, I got it. Um, at one time, there was probably 80 guys out of Columbia shipping out of the hall. My parents lived about 45 minutes from uh, Joliet. So you'd have to sit in the hall 
hopefully you get a, a, a call would come in for the need of uh, deckhands. It was hard to, for a green guy to get on, but once, once you got on, then you were experienced even with just one day of work. And then it was easy to get a job after that. So several, it took about a month before I got on. And uh, several times I would bring two or three, four guys home with me and they'd sleep on a couch or on the floor. And my parents didn't feel burdened by this at all. And in fact, love the company and the interactions. So, and this is the day back when, uh, you know, Motel 6 really cost six bucks. But nobody had any money and they were happy to have a place just to, to, to sleep and, uh, you know, the transportation to and from uh, Joliet. And was that in the middle of school? Uh, no, I was right before I graduated is when I, I, I did it after I graduated. And uh, it was, uh, I did it for about two and a half years with Valley Line. Um, and then went into the office with uh, Sioux City and New Orleans Barge Lines in St. Louis. As an operations clerk working for a 20 year old young woman who was uh, extremely very sharp and a good teacher. And uh, I learned a lot from her. And about six months later, I started barge and boat dispatching. Well, tell me about those couple of years on deck. Um, you know, a lot of work. Uh, I wasn't very strong back then and as big as I am now. And, uh, you know, lots of confusion. Couple, first couple of weeks, I uh, thought about quitting about every 15 or 20 minutes. Um, it took a couple of weeks and a, and a really good watchman or second mate, uh, who was very calm and, and a good teacher, uh, it finally clicked and it came together. But, uh, probably the highlight of Deccan was we were coming northbound through the old Frank Franklin street bridge in Peoria. Uh, which has long since been replaced. And it was about 125 foot wide bridge with 105 foot wide tow. We had 15 coal loads northbound and I'm out on a starboard head and it's cold, it's winter. It's, and I could tell that, you know, he's like, the pilot's like 15 feet on the bad side, you know, 400 below, 15 feet on the bad, 300 below, still 15 feet on the bad. We're about, I don't know, hundred feet from, uh, from the from the pier when the mate comes over the uh, speakerphone and said, Jeff, take the lock line and drop it over the, the bow of the barge where it's gonna hit the pier. So I did that. And of course we hit the pier, the five loads uh, broke away from the other 10 and we're just floating there. And it took probably about 20 minutes for the pilot to get the tow stopped back up lasso the other five loads put them back in tow and we kept going and uh you know it was cold the, the steel was brittle and that probably you know saved the barge from sinking the mate was very happy with me and uh said boy by god maybe we can call you a riverman now were you standing on one of the barges that broke away yes how was that oh you kind of had to little make sure you were ducking the wires and the and the chain links that came flying by but uh i can't rem i came out unscathed anything else interesting happened on your tenure out there um no that's it was pretty routine i mean you know we had high water um one of the 
Trips, who was an old, old deckhand in his 50s and been out there forever. Um, and I never realized it until many years later, but, you know, we were, we had high water and I just stepped off the edge of the barge onto the bank down on the lower somewhere to run a wire around a tree to tie off for the fog. And uh, he said, uh, you know, he was telling somebody else, he said, by God, old Jeff here just stepped off, walked about 50 feet around a tree and come back and, you know, we're tied off. And I didn't realize how much the river fluctuates and how many rocks and 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 uh there are on low river um many years later i was out there riding in low river on a on an excursion barge and uh couldn't believe how much climbing and that that i avoided with the high water so that was probably one of the other note noteworthy uh things that happened but I mean, other than that, it was pretty routine. We didn't sink uh, barges. Um, you know, we had a lot of pumps on on, on barges, but uh, you know, I didn't. I wasn't on any boats that hit any bridges or anything like that. And tell me again, you crossed over shoreside. Was that with SCNO? Yes. Tell me about that transition, and where uh, were you? I was in St. Louis. We had an office in downtown Clayton. And I, uh, you know, just made a cold call. I was kind of intrigued by them. They were the biggest Missouri River carrier. And in Columbia, we would party on the banks of the Missouri River from time to time and watch the occasional towboat go by. And uh, so I was uh, familiar with them and uh, just made a cold call. I, I did go to Valley Line. They didn't have an opening, um, but Sioux City did. And uh, I think I got hired for $725 a month. Like I said, I was an operations clerk working for this young woman. And then about six months later, I started barging uh, boat dispatching. Did that for about three years. And then they transferred me down to New Orleans to run uh, the, the fleets down there, which was the old SCNO fleet in Luling, right above the uh, Luling Bridge, which I think is now part of Knott's. Well, how was barge dispatch back in those days? Um, lots of pen and pencils. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, it was before fax machines. It was before the, the big, um, technical breakthrough was a twit machine where you would type in your orders and then send it over, uh, to the boat and they would get it uh on their twit machine so uh it was, you know it was before like i said before faxes and and all that so it was uh it was interesting but it was a lot of communications we'd run single sideband radios and auto candies would would you know step on us sometimes so so we had to work our time uh to avoid their traffic as well Lots of phone calls, you know, marine operators, you couldn't talk to the boats, hardly direct much. Um, but it was, uh, it was, we got it done. I mean, we had 275, 300 barges and you know, we were a middle-sized barge line back then. What areas did you dispatch? Uh, the lower, the Ohio, uh, and then weekend duties on the Missouri and the Illinois. How many boats and barges did SCNO have at the time? 
We had about 300 barges, I think probably about 30 tank barges. They were mostly molasses northbound and soybean oil and tallow, tallow southbound. We probably had about 30 boats. I think we were running 15, 18 boats on the, on the Missouri in its heyday. Uh, our biggest boat on the lower was a 5,000 until we built the Robert Crown, which I think is now the Ricky Hughes. Uh, we built that in 75. That was a 7,200. And that was the flagship of the fleet. And how did your career advance from there? Um, I got transferred down to New Orleans to uh, to run the uh, SCNO fleet in 76. Joe Cadero was one of my mentors, and he was the vice president of sales and operations and uh, a very good teacher. Knew, knew, been around the industry a number of companies um and he was uh one of my fans so he uh got me promoted down there to run the fleet and i stayed there for two and a half years and i went to federal barge lines in 1978 as vice president general manager of triangle fleet which was uh well ingram's reserve fleet now and we also had uh, Carrollton Avenue, which is now part of oh, CCI's West Wego fleet. And then we had three, well, two 10.5s and a 9,000 <clears> running on the lower along with a bunch of 6,000s and uh, about 750, 800 barges, probably about 15, 18 to 20 boats. And how long did you, did you uh, do that? Uh, in 85, Ohio River Company bought us. We were up for sales. A bunch of executives from St. Louis Ship and Pot Industries, our parent, were, were told they were going to get a uh, chance to do a leverage buyout. And Ken Lay of Enron fame uh, pulled the rug out from under him and sold it to Ohio, uh, sold it, the company to Ohio River Company uh, without giving them a chance to put anything together. And that was in January 1st of 85. And then uh, I think Ingram bought Ohio River in 02 or 03. But uh, there was, you know, certainly a bigger company. Um, the parent company was in Boston and uh, Boston thinks they're the birthplace of civilization and uh, Anybody that lives west of Philadelphia is nothing but a common hayseed. So they were a pretty arrogant people to work with. How did that transition go and how much longer were you there? I was there about six and a half years. Um, it went well. It was a, a big company. Offshore tug and barge units that uh, went over to Tampa. One went, took grain down to Puerto Rico. The other two did phosphate rock from uh, Tampa uh, to uh, Uncle Sam at Mosaic. Big line boats and then the federal boats really complemented uh, what Ohio River had to begin with. They had ore golf and, and Ohio River Company for for union purposes. And uh, like I said, I was there for about six and a half years and then left and went to work with uh, Mark Canoy at Mark Twain Trading uh, up in Pekin, Illinois. And you said you were a VP at that point prior to going up yes. to see mark yes was it what was the over ops or fleeting and dispatch um fleeting and fleet dispatch 
And over that period, did you find time to familiarize yourself with boats and uh, the, I guess the operations side? I know where you've recently retired. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've every all the fleets that I managed had repair operations, cleaning and repair operations, as you know, you had to in order to to for the change of cargo and and even just to check the barges over, even if you were sending them northbound empty to reload grain. Um, so we had those operations at every fleet uh, that I that I was involved with. Uh, I did grow, get more responsibility under Ohio River Company. I, uh, at one point, we had the old Orgo fleet, which is now Zito's. We had a fleet out at uh, Michoud. We were running coal from uh, New Orleans to Pensacola and Panama City. Um, and then I was over the Baton Rouge Capital Fleet uh, for a while up there as well. Under what ownership? Ohio River Company. Okay. In the, oh. uh, late, in the late 80s and early 90s. Well, where did you meet Mark Canoy? Um, his father was a port captain for me at Federal Barge Lines. And uh, so I met Mark through through his dad, Delbert, who was both a pilot and an engineer. So Delbert had uh, what they call a double ender, a dual licenses. Well, tell me about the move back to Illinois and into business with uh, with Mark. Oh, it was kind of like going back up north in exile. Um for about five and a half years and uh, got divorced before I moved back and uh, uh, met uh, my present wife up there. She was a customer of ours. She had been at ACBL and uh, got uh, laid off through a reduction in force and ended up working for combined transportation and then a scrap company. Um, so I was up there for with Mark for two years and like I tell people, the river offers many, many opportunities for employment in that, but it, can, but it can also take it away as the flood of 93 put us out of business. You know, that lasted with Mark about two years. And uh, then I went into work when I went to work for Hilton Gaming. We were supposed to have two casino boats in uh, downtown Kansas City. And through a number of reasons, um, Hilton management didn't, wasn't on top of it. Um, the Port of Kansas City said, don't worry about the Corps of Engineers. We have them in our back pocket. You'll get all the permits you need. And uh, the both sites where the boats were supposed to be would have impeded up uh, navigation. And this was like four months after Amtrak Mobile where 40 some 47 people died in the Amtrak train crash in Mobile and the Coast Guard just checked uh, not safe. So they ended up laying off everybody. We had about 45 people in the uh, in, this, in the office, laid off everybody, but three rightfully so, and uh, ended up building a boat in, on the bank in a moat and going that took at least two, two and a half years before they were back into business or open for business. And uh, anyway, that was my introduction to the passenger vessel, which served me well later after uh, from there, I went to Lamont and worked for Leo Catoni at Illinois Marine for uh, three years, married my wife. And then in 97, 
came down to New Orleans to help start up river barge excursion lines, which for lack of a better term was a cruise ship on the rivers on two barges. Um, one barge had 98 staterooms on two levels and the second barge has all the public space, um, galley, dining room, theater, libraries, um, lobbies. Uh, well, well done. Eddie Conrad was the brains behind it and the thought of uh, putting it together. He had, prior to that, he'd done RVs on deck barges. And this was kind of the next evolution of that. And I was there for about 11 years. Um, and we showed about 70,000 people what the the rivers in the United States have to offer as far as scenery, itineraries, places, unique cities to, to visit. And uh, it was a great experience. It uh, kind of got me back to the, to the river itself. What size were those barges? 300 by 54. They were old Port Arthur towing barges. And how were they built to sustain guests? Um, Levac Shipyard in Jennings, or uh, actually Mermintaw, Louisiana, built the built it, and we, uh, you know, concreted over the uh, the deck with a and had a camber to it to make sure that you know it didn't pond water or anything like that, and uh, built the stupor structure on top of it. They drew about five and a half feet all of the. Tankage and that was down below. The generators were down below. All the generators for the barges were were in the hull. Um, and then we had two levels of a, of about fifty rooms on each level, two hundred square feet rooms, all balconies. Or well, the the upper deck had balconies. The lower deck just had picture windows looking out. We would we we would have entertainment come on in the areas we happened to be in. And uh, so it was a it was a great great product, uh, but it was uh, it was difficult marketing and and the recession of two oh eight and oh nine put it out of business. I left about six months before that when and, and went to AEP. What size tug was shoving those around, and where did they run? It was a thirty two hundred Miss Nari, the first Z drive towboat in the industry. Built in 1981-82 with uh, Nagata engines and, and Nagata Z-drives, which are Japanese. Our boarding destination cities were uh, Port Isabel, Texas, Galveston, Texas, New Orleans, Memphis, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Nashville, Pittsburgh. Um, most of the trips were a week, and you'd have turnovers in those cities every day or every week. We had some trips that were longer. There was a St. Louis to New Orleans trip, ran the intercoastal canal to Galveston and ultimately down to Port Isabel, stopped in Corpus. Um, a lot of great, great scenery and, and, and just wonderful, wonderful times on the river. Well, what happened next for you after you left that company? I went to work for AEP uh, and running the fleets down in uh, New Orleans, we had Convent, with we, which we had three anchorages with. And then we had Dockside Fleet. And I was there for about three and a half years. And then when Kanoi came over to ACBL, I came over with him along with Paul Tobin and Bob Blocker. And uh, so I've been with 
um, let's see, it'll be 12 years in September with ACBL. And walk me through your career with them. Um, started out as uh, vice president of uh, Gulf Operations, and which was Houston, uh, Mobile, and let's see, we had Tiger Fleet, Armand Fleet, and Harahan. And then in November of 15, we bought AEP. So we added Convent and Dockside to that mix in Belmont. And, uh, and then ultimately, I was in charge of Cairo and Lamont. On, so I had all the fleeting operations in the entire company. Um, and then uh, gradually is, uh, let's see, the, the Cairo Fleet and Lamont Fleet went to Mike Drawn a couple years ago, and then I was just in the Gulf. And then we hired a Michael L. Fordish about a year ago, and uh, he's taken over my place in the Gulf. So he's got Houston and Mobile and the fleets in the river. And Dockside Fleet got sold to turn services probably back in 18, I think, something like that. So uh, you know, we've got the five fleets in the river, Tiger, Armand, Belmont, Convent, uh, and Harahan. Uh, what was the day in the life of a VP of Gulf Operations? Oh, I don't know. You come in about 10, make sure everything's floating and go to lunch about 1030, come back about two, make sure everything's floating and go home at three. <laughs> Sounds like the dream job. Right, right. No, it was just, uh, you, know, you know, one of the things I guess it's I've always loved about the career I've had is every day is different. And the number of days I've woken up where I thought, oh, geez, I got to go to work again. You know, I can probably count on one hand. Um, I've always looked forward to it. I've enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's you know, you just, you try and problem prevent. And, but, you know, a lot of times you're in the midst of problem solving. So it's just what you, it's kind of like whack-a-mole, which, which problem uh, pops up the highest and, and needs the most attention. You know, you've got, you know, hundreds of people, there's people issues, you know, not everybody performs at the level you'd like them to. You try and stimulate them to do better and some do and some don't. Um, and you, you know, I always tried to, I knew the workings of a barge line and I always tried to make the best decision for the overall barge line instead of just for the fleets. And do you have children? Yeah, I've got one daughter in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, who's got two, two grandsons, eight and six. And then I've got two stepchildren that I raised. There was 10 and 12. Uh, one lives with us with a granddaughter that's 14. And the other one lives about a mile from us that uh, has granddaughters that are five and three. So I've got three kids and five grandkids. Did anybody follow you into the industry? Uh, no. Okay. No, the closest I've got is my son-in-law in Charleston sells container freight for CMA CGM. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Did, uh, is your wife retired as well? 
Yes. In fact, she was the first female to sell barge freight in the industry for ACBL. She started in ACBL in 1972 and at the age of 17 and uh, got to selling freight and most recently retired from Celtic Marine in 2017. I need to chat with her on the show sometime as well. Well, so you said you have a, you're in a consulting function currently, but what does that mean? Or what are you up to these days with that? Oh, I've just got a couple projects that I'm still involved with uh, that haven't been, you know, we're waiting for uh, to get some information on them as to whether we're going to pursue them or not from the, from the owners of the property, completing expansion projects that we're looking at. So those are probably the two things I'm involved with. Every now and then, somebody will call up with a question about something in the past that I may or may not be able to answer. So it's it's pretty uh, pretty light. Any big plans for retirement? No, just a little more golf and travel. So uh, my wife golfs, so we go we go on golf trips on on vacation and that. Sounds pretty peaceful. Have you heard of the Maritime Throwdown? Yes. What do you think of the program? It's at IMAX, isn't it? Yes, sir. Um, I'm not all that familiar with it, uh, Tim, but um, anything that can promote the industry is certainly good. And what do you think about my little project here? I think it's great. I need to find out how to get on it more so I can look at uh, what look at what you're doing. I know Mark thinks Kanoi speaks highly of it as well. Yeah, I do appreciate his participation for sure, but I'll get you a, a couple of links. We'll, we'll get you watching podcasts. That'd be great. In the meantime, sir, I thank you very much for your time this morning. I'll have this, uh, this published sooner here, sooner or later here. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.